listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I am Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, you'll get a recap of the Native American Cultural Center's powwow that happened over the weekend at CSU and more in Campus News with Tyler. And you may have noticed that parts of I-25 have been closed this week. Those are only the first of several planned closures over the next couple of weeks. Learn more with Lee in local news. Then Tyler will list out some upcoming local events you might want to put on your radar in events news. Later on in the broadcast, a Colorado man pleaded guilty to six federal counts of espionage on Monday. This and more in National News with Lee. And with that, we'll get started with campus news. This weekend on campus, CSU saw the Native American Cultural Center-sponsored powwow. The powwow took place from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. and took place in the Lori Student Center Ballroom. The event was filled with food, jewelry, dancing, music, and celebration. A powwow is a gathering common in Native American cultures that acts as a social event and brings lots of dancing. Sometimes they can even be competitive. KCSU spoke to one of the many dancers that was at the event. Stan Eschenbrenner. Very cool. And then could you tell me a little bit about what you did here today um, at the Pow Wow and kind of like what it means to you and what it means to the community and how you're um, contributing? Absolutely. Colorado State University ACES Pow Wow has been going on for over 30 years and as a former student and, and member of ACES and NASA when I was a student here, it's all about supporting the students that are actively here and, and hosting an event and inviting the community to come in and, and be part of you know their student experience when they're here at the university and it allows the culture to show through you know in Fort Collins and in the northern Colorado community a lot of the people come up from you know other parts of Colorado or come down from Wyoming to help support this and you know when I was a student here others came and supported us the least we can do is pay it forward and show support for the current group of students that are spending all the time and energy beyond their studies to host an event for us to come attend. Very cool. Thank you. And then I know we already spoke a little bit earlier about your, um, I, don't, I don't know what the correct term for it is. Is it an outfit? An outfit? An outfit? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, would you? regalia, some term other than costume. Yeah. Would you mind telling me a little bit about your outfit? Absolutely. I dance what's known as the men's fancy dance style. So this style originated with the Wild West shows and Buffalo Bill because they wanted to speed it up and add more color. This is the modern version of that. Um, the style really grew you know, from the 1930s through about the 1980s and 90s, kind of dropped off a bit, but um, is now making a comeback again. Uh, we're the big colorful guys that they wait till the very end of the evening to have dance because everybody stays to watch us. The style represents running stallions um, an outfit will typically have somewhere in the range of about 10,000 feathers on the outfit. Wow. So multiple pounds of feathers to, to make a set of clothes. Um, a lot of hours, a lot of work to, to do all the parts and pieces. But, you know, you work with the aunties and uncles and nephews and everybody to help put together the stuff you need to, to have the set of clothes. And I enjoy teaching them how to build all that stuff as well. So uh, that's a lot of what I spend my time today doing is... You know, teaching young people how to dance and sing and build outfits. And when I get an opportunity to dance, I try and take that to 
part and, and get a chance to go shake some feathers. That was Stan Eschenbrenner, who was one of the fancy dancers for the powwow. Stan had on one of the most colorful and complex outfits of the dance. On Colorado State University's campus, construction continues. Many students may have noticed the construction happening in the Lori Student Center and at Allison Hall. At one of the university student dorms, Allison Hall, there has been plenty of construction taking place, all marked with bright red tape and polluted with construction workers. Since the start of the semester, there has been ongoing construction. According to an article from the Collegian, the construction taking place is primarily to replace the roof. The request for the construction came last year as the building was mostly original. Allison Hall, however, is the school's second oldest dorm. The project has a budget of $3.6 million and will include a new roof and some new furniture. Also happening in the Lori Student Center is the replacement of a small elevator freight in the building. Installed in 1962, the two elevators used to move things such as chairs and tables throughout the building, and they will both cost $700,000 each. CSU will be helping in the process of reintroducing wolves into the state of Colorado. The process is to reintroduce the animals after they were initially removed due to the amount of livestock they were killing. There is a goal of successfully reintroducing the animals back to the state by the end of the year. CSU's Center for Human Carnivore Coexistence launched the Wolf Conflict Reduction Fund, which aims to support both livestock ranchers and the wolves. Last fall, CSU researchers traveled to Montana to learn how to successfully reintroduce the wolves. CSU has used their research as well as trail cameras. They have prepared to reintroduce the animals. Coming up next is your local news with Lee Zimpel. Lee will be covering some changes coming to the transport system later this year. My name is Lee Zimpel, and here are your local news updates. For years, scene construction on I-25 has been a familiar sight for many. Lane closures are something you might have seen a couple times, especially this week. Monday saw full closure on a section of northbound I-25 from State Highway 402 to U.S. Highway 34. And for Tuesday, lanes will be fully closed between U.S. 34 to Crossroads Boulevard. Those won't be the end of the I-25 closures and detours, though. You can actually expect to see a handful more in the next couple weeks. With the North I-25 Express Lanes project getting close to wrapping up, these full lane closures on the northbound side will be the temporary new normal as the project gets its final touches. If you happen to be heading north on I-25 and run into one of these closures, here's what you can expect for detours. On Sunday, October 29th, northbound I-25 will be fully closed from State Highway 392 to Harmony Road. Traffic will be redirected through exit 262 on Colorado 392. Then on Wednesday, November 1st, the section from Harmony to Prospect will be closed. The detour will take you off the interstate at the Harmony exit, exit 265. If you need to get back onto I-25, you'll be able to take the Prospect on-ramp that will stay open during the closure. On Thursday, November 2nd, and again on Sunday, November 5th, North I-25 will be closed from Harmony to Mulberry. The detour will still have you exiting at exit 265 onto Harmony. There will be more northbound closures as we move into early November. If you want a more comprehensive list of those and the detours you can expect, you can find that information neatly laid out on the Coloradoan website. The Larimer County Coroner's Office announced on Monday that former NFL and CSU linebacker Clay Hagens died from complications of chronic alcohol use. Hagens was found over the summer in June in his private home in Fort Collins when he was 46. Hagens is considered a football legend at Colorado State University. He was put in the CSU Athletics Hall of Fame in 2015. 
During his time at, at CSU, he played defensive end from 1996 to 1999. His 33 career sacks are still a school record. Hagan went on to play 13 seasons in the NFL after he was drafted by the Steelers. He also played for the Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers. With all three teams, he reached the Super Bowl and ended up winning Super Bowl 40 with the Steelers. He retired from football in 2013. At the end of his NFL career, Hagan's had a total of 520 tackles, 46 and a half sacks, five fumble recoveries, and one interception. In an interview, one of Hagan's former teammates, Chris Hoke, said that Hagan's was not only a great football player, but was also a great friend, person, and teammate. He said, quote, this is a tough one to swallow. If you or anyone you know is struggling with substance abuse, there are resources available. You can find those with the Colorado Behavior Health Resources by calling 211 or the Larimer County Mental Health and Substance Abuse Alliance at 970-221-5551. You can also reach a Substance Abuse and Mental Health Helpline at 800-662-4357. Contributions to this story come from the Coloradoan and KDKA-FM. Multiple transfer bus routes and stops might get some service changes that would take effect in January next year. If you want to contribute in shaping what these changes might look like, you'll have an opportunity to do that this week. On Thursday, October 26th, Transport will hold a public meeting at 4.30 p.m. at the South Transit Center. At the meeting, you'll get an outline of the proposed changes for 2024, and you'll also get the chance to give direct community feedback. On Thursday, the meeting will run from 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m., and Spanish interpretation will be available. If you can't make the meeting but you still have questions or feedback, you have a couple ways to do that. On the Transport website, you can take a survey at ridetransport.com forward slash survey. You can also reach out to Transport customer support by calling 970-221-6620, or you can email transportinfo at fcgov.com. A city press release from last Thursday outlined some of the proposed changes. Here's a summary of what changes might come January next year. Some flex routes in Loveland will be getting some departing time adjustments, possibly pushing routes to run a little bit later. And one flex route from the Loveland-Larimer County Food Bank could be realigned to the new North Transit Center at 37th and Grant. And a couple flex stops on US 287 and 37th will be replaced by the new Loveland North Transit Center, but Flex Express to Boulder will still use those stops. If you want to learn more about the changes and how they might affect you, you can visit the Transport website, which again is ridetransport.com. That'll wrap up your local news. We're going to take a quick break, but in the meantime, you can take out your calendar if you're not driving, because Tyler will highlight some upcoming local events after the break.
KCSU programming is supported by Fort Collins' newest concert venue, 830 North, featuring live music, bowling, and arcade. Tickets, concert calendar, and bowling reservations are available at 830NorthFortCollins.com or by searching 830 North. I'm Tyler Weatherwax, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This past weekend, Halloween came early with the Spooky Kooky Halloween Drag Show. The performance was in Aggie Theater and saw multiple performers on stage for the Halloween-themed show. Tonight, also at the Aggie Theater, the five-piece band Stoplight Observations area are coming to play in Fort Collins. The Charleston, South Carolina locals play a mixture of rock, pop, and electronic beats to create an entertaining and unique sound. The band will be playing tonight starting at 8 p.m. Vincent Neal Emerson will be playing at the Aggie Theater tomorrow night beginning at 8 p.m. His music has a traditional country sound and he has described himself as a torchbearer of the Texas songwriting tradition. Emerson is a close friend of the wildly popular country musician Coulter Wall and has recorded with Wall. His intense writing process makes for high-quality country tunes. Also tonight is an evening with Anna Huang. Old Firehouse Books is partnering with the best-selling romance author for an introduction to her new book, King of Greed. There will be an opportunity for book signings. Tickets are free if you go to Old Firehouse Books' website. The ticket includes admission for one person, and it will personalize one book and sign an additional four, but there is a strict five-book maximum. Coming up next with Lee, a former NSA employee from Colorado, pleads guilty to selling information to Russia. FM has purchased our broadcast license from the Colorado State University Board of Governors. Enjoy! Welcome back from the break. We're back with national news. A formal National Security Agency employee from Colorado pleaded guilty Monday to six federal counts of espionage. Jara Dolkey from Colorado Springs was accused of trying to send classified U.S. information to Russia when he was charged last year. Investigators say Dolkey thought he was talking to a Russian agent when he agreed to send information in exchange for $85,000, but he was actually talking to an undercover FBI employee. The undercover FBI agent asked Dolkey to go to Denver's downtown train station and send classified documents from an encrypted email during a four-hour window. The FBI said that in the email, Dolkey said he was happy to provide that information and that he looked forward to friendship and shared benefit. The information Dalkey thought he was sending to Russia included a gauge on sensitive U.S. defense capabilities. 
Dawkey didn't work for the NSA when he sent the documents, but when he did, he was an information system security designer for less than a month. During a hearing last year, federal public defenders downplayed his access to sensitive information because of that. Dawkey was arrested shortly after he sent the files. He was charged last year, but his sentencing is set for April, where he could face life in prison. Contributions to this story come from the Associated Press and CBS News. On Monday, the Biden administration proposed a ban on the cancer-causing chemical trichloroethylene, also known as TCE. The toxic chemical is used in many products like cleaning and furniture products, brake cleaners, and degreasers. If a person is exposed to high levels of TCE, it could cause sudden death or kidney cancer. At lower exposure, it can even cause harm to the brain over a long period. Recent studies on TCE from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency found that as much as 250 million pounds of the chemical are still produced in the U.S. every year, according to the Associated Press. According to a news release from the EPA, there are a variety of safer alternatives to TCE that can be used. If the proposal moves forward, it would end the nearly four-decade battle against TCE. The proposed move would take effect after a year, and commercial and industrial use would be phased out over time. In the release, EPA Deputy Administrator Janet McCabe said that V-Ban is an important step to protect people from cancer and other serious risks. She said, quote, The science is loud and clear on TCE. It is a dangerous, toxic chemical, and proposing to ban it will protect families, workers, and communities. Jewish activists across the U.S. have been calling for peace and justice for Palestinians. On Wednesday, thousands of Jews and allies marched on Capitol Hill, carrying Palestinian flags and calling for a peaceful end to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The protest was organized by Jewish Voice for Peace and If Not Now, which are the two biggest Jewish groups protesting the war in the U.S. One smaller sit-in group at the Capitol was led by two dozen rabbis. The group shared testimonials from Palestinians in Gaza and wore shirts that said, Not in our name, and carried banners that called for a ceasefire. They also called on the U.S. government to stop giving aid to Israel. One of the leaders of the sit-in was Rabbi Alyssa Wise. She was one of the nearly 400 mostly Jewish activists who were arrested during the event, according to CNN. Wise said that the U.S. giving aid to Israel, quote, encourages and funds the mass murder of Palestinians. Thousands more Jewish Americans continue to gather in protests across the nation, calling on President Joe Biden and other officials to encourage peace. This recent wave of protests in response to the war isn't exactly a new movement, though. Jewish Voice for Peace was founded in 1996, and it describes itself as the largest pro-Palestinian organization in the world. If Not Now also has a large network in the U.S., with tens and thousands of Jewish members who have protested the Israeli occupation since 2014. Even today, Jewish groups that advocate for Palestinian rights face a lot of criticism. CEO from the Anti-Defamation League, Jonathan Greenblatt, said that while he respects the protesters' rights to free speech, he said there was a complete lack of moral clarity and that Hamas, not Israel, is responsible for the deaths of innocents in Gaza. Critics also say that the protesters challenging Israel are anti-Zionist and that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. But Wise agrees. She explained Zionism as the movement that was made to support establishing a homeland for Jewish people in Palestine, which was created by the British at the time. Wise said Zionism isn't the same as Judaism. 
Wise said she is Jewish but is not a Zionist, and she rejects the idea that criticizing the politics of a government is anti-Semitic. She said, quote, Israel is not a Jew, Israel is a state. In this complicated conflict that's been going on for nearly a century, Wise said that it's hard to predict what could come next other than more damage. The World Health Organization warned that conditions are getting worse each day, with hospitals on the verge of collapse and Palestinians in Gaza running out of vital resources. And meanwhile, the activists say videos coming out from the war are becoming increasingly alarming. Wise said that maintaining hope and imagining a future with a free Palestine means to take action for the safety and freedom of all. Information for this story comes from CNN. That'll be all for national news. Coming up, KCSU Sports Director Caleb Allen will give you this week's sports rundown after the break. please. DJ Proto, huh? What's in your cargo hull? <clears throat> my apologies for not turning on my universal translator. Nothing but mainstream classic rock, I promise. We must conduct a cargo scan. Open your hull. <laughs> Funk, hip-hop, and jazz. These are contraband in section 90.5. What? They'll never stop me from smuggling in sweet underground jams. They tried to stop me, but I'm still on pace to get to the edge of the atmosphere in Sector 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins, Friday at 9 p.m. Engaging Hyperdrive. Hi, I'm Caleb Allen, Sports Director at KCSU. Here's what's going on this week in sports. CSU football fell to 3-4 and four on the season on Saturday with a loss to UNLV 25-23. CSU held a 13-3 lead going into the half, but failed to score in the third quarter. The Rams did outscore the Rebels in the fourth quarter, including a 55-yard field goal from kicker Jordan Noyce with 44 seconds left. However, UNLV put together a six-play, 56-yard drive that resulted with a 28-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. The Rams return home for state pride on Saturday against number 19 Air Force. Kickoff is at 5 p.m. CSU soccer went 1-1 one one last week with a thriller over New Mexico on Thursday and an offensive display and a loss against San Diego State on Sunday. Forward Sophia Colomb netted two goals and assisted on the game-winning goal with six seconds remaining. Her five-point performance was good enough to be selected as Mountain West Freshman of the Week. The win also clinched a spot in the Mountain West Tournament that takes place in Laramie, Wyoming next week. Sunday's match against San Diego State University finished 3-2 in a loss for the Rams. Junior Liv Stutzman scored twice in the loss. CSU will head to Laramie on Thursday to finish up their regular season schedule with a match against Wyoming kickoff at 3 p.m. CSU Volleyball split last week with a five-set loss to Fresno State at home on Thursday and a sweep over Nevada on Saturday in Reno. Kennedy Stanford notched 27 kills over the eight sets while Ruby Kayser was credited with four aces in Nevada. CSU Volleyball returns home to take on the top two teams in the Mountain West with Utah State at 7 p.m. on Thursday and Boise State at noon on Saturday. CSU Tennis finished up their ITA Mountain Regional, falling to the top-seeded team from BYU on Saturday morning. Rodka Buskova and Victoria Arenchenko made it as far 
as the semifinals before being knocked off. The Rams are off this week before they head to San Diego State next week for the Fall Classic. CSU men's basketball star point guard Isaiah Stevens was named to the Bob Cousy watch list last weekend as one of the top point guards in the nation. CSU Swim and Dive's Lucy Matheson was named the Mountain West Swimmer of the Week for her performances against Air Force and New Mexico. Tess Winery was named Freshman of the Week as well. The Rams are back in action at Moby Pool on Friday at 4 p.m. I'm Caleb Allen, and this is what's been going on this week in sports. This week is going to start off kind of warm, but it'll gradually get cooler as we move closer to the weekend. Today we'll see a high of about 70 degrees with a mostly sunny sky and a very light breeze. Tonight we'll have a low around 40 and partly cloudy skies. On Wednesday, it'll be sunnier than today as temperatures reach a high of 73. We'll see similar calm winds in the afternoon, and the wind shouldn't pick up too much as the day moves forward. Wednesday night, it'll be mostly clear with a low of 39 degrees. The wind from the day will feel pretty similar as it will in the evening. Thursday, it'll start to cool off a bit. We'll see a high of 63 and sunny skies, and it'll be a little breezier. Thursday night, we'll have a slight chance of rain from around 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. It'll be mostly cloudy as temps drop to a chilly and breezy low of 29. If you want the rest of the week's weather forecast, you can hear that on the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review, which will air on Thursday at 4 p.m. Information for this forecast comes from the National Weather Service. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing outro theme. And we would also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. So thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section. Or you can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.